My name's John Redmond. I'm the associate pastor at First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas, and I want to thank you for joining us today on Peace by Believing, and I hope that wherever you might be listening today that things are going well for you and for your family. If you're going through a difficult time, my prayer is that God would give you an unusual awareness of His presence in your life, that He would flood your heart with peace, that He would help you to remember that no matter what you might be facing, He is absolutely in control. He is right there with you, and He promises to bring good out of every difficulty and bad experience that we go through in life. We are studying on our programs here the uh, Lord's Prayer, and for the last few broadcasts, that's exactly what we've been thinking about together. That prayer that Jesus gave His disciples to pray, many people call it the Disciples' Prayer, because actually it's a prayer that they were supposed to pray. It's not a prayer that Jesus prayed. We know that because there's a line in the prayer that says, forgive us our debts, and Jesus had no debts to be forgiven of. He had no sins, and so this was not a prayer Jesus prayed. It was a prayer he gave his disciples to pray, and so we call it the Lord's Prayer. I think it's fine to do that as long as we remember it is a prayer that the Lord gave us to pray and not a prayer that he prayed himself. And today, we come to that part of the prayer where Jesus taught us to pray these words, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, that petition itself implies that God's will is being done perfectly in heaven. In other words, heaven is the model. Heaven is the thing that Jesus uses to describe, the, or it's the place that Jesus uses uh, to talk about where God's will is being perfectly done. If we could somehow get a glimpse into heaven today and see all the things that are happening up there and see the angels and see all the saints from uh, the Old Testament times and the New Testament times and all through church history, all those people who've been saved, if we could just look into heaven today and uh, sometimes we wonder, what are they doing up there? What is heaven like? Well, we know this for sure, that in heaven at this very moment, God's will is being done perfectly. It's being done just right. And so Jesus said, when you pray, here's what you should pray. Say, God, may your will be done on earth just like it's being done in heaven. In my life, on this earth, on this planet that we're living on, may your will be done. And that leads us to a very good question, an obvious question, and that is simply this. What is God's will? When Jesus used that expression, what did he mean? What is the will of God? Well, very simply put, the will of God is God's plan for your life. You, anytime you see that word uh, will, when it's talking about God's will, you could just easily put in the word plan. It is God's plan for your life. It is something that he planned for you before you were ever born. In the Old Testament, the prophet Jeremiah said that uh, before God had created him in his mother's womb, that he had called him and he had set him apart to be a, a minister and to be a preacher 
to be a spokesperson for God. In fact, God said that to Jeremiah. God's the one who said, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I called you and I had a special plan for your life. And so God's will is simply God's plan. It touches every area of our lives. We know certainly from scripture that it is God's plan, that it is God's will for us to be saved, for us to receive Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. The Bible says God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's not God's plan that anybody would ever be unsaved, and yet many are, it's, it's, but it's not according to God's will. God's will also includes your vocation, what you do with your life. God calls some people to be pastors and preachers and missionaries. God calls others to be doctors and nurses. Others are teachers and coaches, and God wants others to be businessmen and businesswomen out there in the world making a difference for Him, being salt and light in the world in which we live. And so God has a plan. I think some people have the idea, well, I'll just get out there and get a job and do something and pray for God to bless me. Well, it's a whole lot better to ask God what He wants you to do and to be in His will and His plan for your life. That part of God's will is includes our relationships. It's God's will uh, for uh, you, for most people, I think it's God's will in most cases for people to be married, and it's God's will for uh, people to marry the right person. So God has a will even when it comes to uh, to marriage partners. In some people's lives, it's God's will for that person to be single, for them not even to be married at all. And so we have to ask God, what is your will for my life? What is your plan? What do you want me to do? God's will includes the moral aspect of our lives. We know that it is God's will for us to live clean lives, for us to live pure lives. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians, this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. And so if we're going to be in God's will and God's plan for our lives, we've got to, we're not going to be perfect, but we've got to seek to live pure and holy and godly lives. And then God's will gets even more specific than that. It involves the cities we live in. It involves the houses we buy the cars we buy. I believe that God has a will and a plan for uh, where we live and how we make these decisions. And so sometimes we have to pray and we say, God, do you want me to work for Shell or Exxon? Do you want me to buy this house or that house? Do you want me to buy a new car or a used car? And we pray about it and we wait on God to show us and we ask God to make it clear I believe I would I would not think about buying a house or a car without consulting God and asking him uh, what he wanted me to do. I don't even think a person should take a vacation without praying about that and saying, God, where should I go? Where should we as a family go? What should we do? God, just make it clear to us. Now, many times the place where you're wanting to go, if you're wanting to go to Disney World, if you're wanting to go to Paris, France, or to somewhere in London, England, or who knows, Hawaii, you have a desire to go to one of those places. You just say to God, God, I have a desire in my heart to go some of these places. Would it be okay with you? Is this, is this, could this be part of your plan for my life? And if you feel peaceful about it and you have the financial resources to pay for that trip, then I think God would be fine and pleased. And that, I even think that would be God's will for you to go on those trips because I think God probably gave you the desire to begin with. So when we talk about God's will, we're just talking about God's plan for our life. Now, interestingly, God's will always brings much joy to the heart of God. In other words, when God looks down from heaven and sees one of his children in his will, 
they're doing what they want him, what God wants them to do. It brings much joy and gladness to the heart of God. And not only that, it brings much joy and gladness and much peace to our hearts. I have in my kitchen at home a little a little memento that somebody gave me a long time ago. It's a C.S. Lewis quote, and it simply says, In your will is my peace. In your will is my peace. And so sometimes there might be something I want to do, and yet God tells me not to do it, or at least he tells me not to do it now. And so I go with God and try to do what he tells me. And every time I go with God, I have peace in my heart as a result. And every time I step out of God's will or do something he doesn't want me to do, I lose that peace. In God's will is my peace. And it's true for all of us. So we know that God's will is being done in heaven perfectly, and God wants his will to be done in our lives just that perfectly. Now, the fact is, it won't ever be as perfect on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, there's no sin, there's no rebellion, there's no pride, there's no hatred, there's nothing like that. And so, God's will is done perfectly. But we live in a sinful world. We ourselves have a sin nature. We have pride. And sometimes we don't want to do what God tells us to do. And yet, in spite of all that, Jesus said, when you pray, here's what you ought to say, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that leads to this obvious question. How is God's will being done in heaven? In other words, to go back to my opening uh, illustration, if we could just peek into heaven, if if God would just give us a glimpse, what are the angels doing up there? What are all these people doing up there? What's happening in heaven? Well, I think we would see some things, and we should strive to have these things happening in our lives down here on earth. And I want to just mention five ways that uh, God's will is being done in heaven. And if we will incorporate these five ways into our lives, then God's will will be done more fully in our own lives. First of all, in heaven, everybody in heaven is experiencing unbroken fellowship with God. Now, you think about that unbroken fellowship with God. The angels right now, that's what they're enjoying, unbroken fellowship with God. Abraham and Moses and David, uh, unbroken fellowship with God. Peter and Paul, James and John, Matthew and Mark, unbroken fellowship with Jesus Christ, unbroken fellowship with God. There's nothing in between any of the people living in heaven right now and God. There are no distractions. There's no sin. As the, old, as the old song says, nothing between my soul and my Savior. There's just nothing between us. There's just an open line of communication. And so we have to ask ourselves this question. Is there anything between me and God? Has anything come between me and Jesus Christ? Has anything come between you and God? Is there a sin in your life? Is there a, a habit that you are engaging in? Is there a hobby, something you're doing? And that thing has, has kind of become like a barrier between you and God. And if so, we have to just confess that and say, God, forgive me. I don't want there to be anything in my life that would come between me and you. I want to live in unbroken fellowship with Jesus Christ. The second thing in heaven today, and always in heaven it's like this, there's perfect love between people. There's perfect love between people. Think about what heaven uh, is free of. Think about what isn't in heaven. Right now in heaven, there's no arguing. There's no fighting. There's no strife. 
There's no unforgiveness. None of that is in heaven. There's nobody's holding a grudge. Nobody's upset about something. Nope, not in heaven. There's perfect love between people. And so if God's will is going to be done on earth as it is in heaven, we have to ask ourselves this question. Is there anybody that I am angry with? Is there anybody that I have not forgiven? Is there any strife between me and any other human being? And if so, we have to ask God to forgive us, and uh, we have to ask God to help us get our, to make our hearts right, to cleanse our hearts, to fill our hearts with his love so that when God looks down from heaven on earth, he would see that we're not only experiencing unbroken fellowship with him, and that doesn't mean we're praying uh, verbally 24 hours a day, but it means that we're in that unbroken, fell, I don't know any better way to say it, unbroken fellowship with God, and also that God could look down and see, you know what, in our hearts, there's nothing but love. Nothing but love for our brothers and sisters, nothing but love, even for those who might not love us. You know, we can't control that. Paul said in Romans chapter 12, as much as it, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. And so we say, you know what, somebody may not love me, but that can't stop me from loving them. And I want God to see perfect love in my heart for other people. And then we know this, in heaven there's no sin. There's no immorality in heaven. There's no pride or rebellion or sin of any kind in heaven. Now, I know there was a long time ago. The devil rebelled against God and took a third of the angels with him, and they got cast out of heaven. But that was then. This is now. There's no such thing as that happening in heaven today. There's no sin in heaven. And so when we pray, God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, what we're really saying is, God, I pray that in my life that there would be no sin. Now, let me say something about this or else it might confuse you or even discourage you. Unfortunately, I don't believe that we're going to be sinless until we get to heaven. Now, there's some out there who would disagree with my statement. They think that on earth, we can reach a state of uh, sinless perfection. I, I don't see that in the scripture. I, I don't think that's true. I, I think we have a sin nature. I know that's true. And we're going to have that sin nature all the way to heaven. And so, until we get there, we're going to struggle with this whole matter of sin. We're not perfect. And we're not going to be perfect. But I heard John MacArthur many years ago say something that really encouraged me on this point. He said, God's not looking for perfection, but he is looking for progression. I want to say that again. God's not looking for perfection, but he is looking for progression. In other words, he's not looking for us to be sinless because he knows that we're going to still struggle and sometimes we still sin. But he is looking for us to sin less. And so that's the question that you and I should ask ourselves. Are we sinning less? Are we progressing in the Christian faith? Now, certainly our goal, our, our desire is to be sinless and to never sin in thought, word, or deed. All I'm saying is, in reality, that's not going to happen until we get to heaven. First John tells us that uh, when we uh, get to heaven, we're going to be like Jesus for we shall see him as he is. But on earth, we are becoming more and more like Jesus. When we get to heaven in that moment, we will instantaneously be made just like Jesus. But now we should look for progress, and we should look for a decreasing pattern of sin. We should strive to be sinless, 
But what I'm saying is uh, we, should, we should look for less sin in our lives, and we should pray, God, help me. Help me. Here's what I think it's fine to pray, God, help me to never sin again. But uh, when we do slip and when we do fall, then we just ask God to forgive us and to clean us up. And we say, God, I don't want there to be any sin in my life. And I think that gets at the heart of what I'm trying to say. In our hearts, there should be a desire to not sin. And that that our hearts and our minds and our lives would just be free from sin. Because, see, that's what it's like in heaven. There's not any sin up there. And we should pray that, that it would be like that in our lives. Oh, God, help me not to sin. And then something else that's going on in heaven... Not only is there unbroken fellowship with God, not only is there perfect love between people, not only is there the absence of sin, but in heaven there's meaningful service of God. Somebody says, wonder what those people up in heaven are doing right now. Well, one of the things they're doing is that they're serving God, and we know that from Revelation chapter 22 and verse 3, where that's exactly what it says. It says that uh, God's servants will serve Him. And so I don't know exactly how people in heaven are serving him right now, but I know they're serving him. And I know when we get to heaven, we're going to spend eternity serving God, doing little things or doing big things, whatever he tells us to do. And so when we pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, what we're really saying, one of the things we're saying is, God, show me some meaningful ways that I can serve you. God, show me some ways that uh, I can encourage other people that I can bless other people, that I could share Christ with other people, that I could meet physical, financial, material needs in the lives of others. God, show me something meaningful that I could do, whether that's a phone call or writing a letter or going to visit somebody in the hospital. God, I wanted to serve you in some meaningful way. I don't want my life to just uh, be wasted down here uh, on things I want to do. I want to serve you. And we serve God best by serving others. And then in heaven, let me mention one other way. The fifth thing that's happening in heaven is that God's will is being done in the smallest of details. I mean, everything in heaven. Jesus said in John John chapter 14, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you in heaven. Jesus is going to make us homes and houses and mansions up there in heaven. I'll guarantee you every part of of every house is just right. Every window, every floor, every wall, every part of those homes up there is just as it should be. The smallest detail. Nothing's out of place in heaven. The uh, river of life is just right. The uh, trees in heaven that have fresh fruit every month, they're just right. The streets of gold, they're just right. There's no dust on those streets of gold. And so we have to say, God, in my life, in the smallest details... I want your will to be done in my life. If you tell me to do something and I don't want to do it, help me to do it anyway. I don't want there to be any part of my life that is not uh, in your will. I want to be in your will because as C.S. Lewis said, in your will is my peace, and that's where I want to be. And so you have to look at your life just like I have to look at mine, and you have to ask yourself this question. Is God's will being done in the smallest detail of your life? Or have you become sloppy spiritually? Have you allowed there to be some area in your life where uh, maybe you're not exactly doing what God would want you to do? And you say, well, it's not a big deal. Well, it's a big deal if it's not God's will. And so we have to ask God, God, get my life right and make, make me to be obedient to you in every single area. Now, uh, 
As we come to the end of this program today, I want to share a thought with you that I had while I was preparing this sermon, and I'm not sure if I had ever thought about this, but when I was working on this sermon, and I preached this at our church sometime back now, and I'm just talking to you from the studio today, kind of giving you the, uh, the condensed version of that sermon, but when I was preparing, I had this thought, and here it is, it is actually easier for the people who are living in heaven to obey God than it is for those of us who are still living on the earth. In other words, I think about all those people in heaven today. I have grandparents and other family members, and they're in heaven. And, and when God tells them to do something up there, they don't have any trouble doing it. Why? Because they have got a totally, not only a new body, but they no longer have the sin nature and their minds, and it'll be like this for us when we get to heaven, our minds and our thoughts and our desires, everything will be godly. Everything will be just right. But down here on earth, we live in a fallen world. Even though those of us who are saved, even though we have been forgiven and received Christ, yes, we have the new nature of God, the Holy Spirit living in us, but we still have the old nature. We still have the flesh. And so for us, sometimes it's not easy to do what God wants us to do. When we get to heaven, it will be. We'll never struggle with this again. Take, for an example, the best example I know is Jesus. When he was on the earth in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before he was crucified. And Jesus, not only was he God, but he was also man. Jesus did not want to be crucified. He didn't want to have to go through the agony of the cross and the beatings that he would endure on his way to the cross. He didn't want that. He didn't want any of that. And so in that Garden of Gethsemane on that Thursday night, Jesus prayed, Father, if it is your will, let this cup pass from me. In other words, God, if there's any way that the sins of the world can be atoned for, paid for, forgiven, without my having to go to the cross, let's do it that way. But then finally, Jesus said to the Father, he said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And so we see even in the life of Jesus that when he was on this earth, he struggled to do God's will. He had a hard time doing God's will. In fact, he agonized over it so much, the Bible says he sweat drops of blood. He was in such turmoil, such agony of soul as he wrestled about doing the will of God. And yet he finally just surrendered and did God's will. Now, what I'm saying to you today is this. There may be something in your life that God is leading you to do and you don't want to do it. Maybe with a relationship, maybe in your work, just something, maybe financially. You know that God has placed on your heart, here's what I want you to do. And the thought of that is almost sickening to you. And you think, God, if I do that, what's going to happen to me? And yet you know God is telling you to do it. Here's what I'm saying. Right now, you have an opportunity to do something for God that people who are already in heaven no longer have an opportunity to do. You have an opportunity to surrender your will to the will of God. You see, when we get to heaven, we won't be surrendering our will to the will of God because our will and God's will will just match. But down here on earth, they don't always match. Sometimes we want to do A and God tells us to do B. Sometimes we want to go east and God tells us to go west. And so when we come to those crossroads in life, we have to make a decision. Am I going to do it my way or God's way? Am I going to do my will or am I going to surrender my will 
to the will of God. And when we surrender our wills, that makes God so very pleased, so very happy. God understands. Jesus Christ fully understands the sacrifice that is involved. And so I would encourage you today, if there's something in your life that you feel like God is leading you to do or not to do, and you want to do the opposite, go with God. If you don't remember anything else I've said today, remember those three words, go with God. Go God's way. Do God's will. You'll never, ever regret it. Now, remember what I said at the beginning. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants you to be saved. That's God's will for you. If you're not saved or if you're not sure, just pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive my sins and make me a Christian. I ask you to save me, and I trust you to do it. In your name I pray. Friend, if you prayed that prayer, congratulations. Visit our website at peacebybelieving.org. Contact us. Tell us where you're listening from. Tell us if the program is being a blessing to you. Have a great week.